0: it's Laura Giles, your host of Modern Animism Radio. Thank you for tuning in and sharing us with others. Animism is an experiential path. It's also a relational path and a personal path. And today I have a guest with me who's going to talk about something that is all of those things too. Rich Lewis is the author of Sitting with God, and he's going to share his stories about centering prayer, um, which is a way to be more contemplative, more of your true self. And he's going to lead us through the process too. So you want to stick around for that so that you can experience what it's all about. So before we chat with Rich, let's acknowledge and give gratitude to the ancestors and elements. I acknowledge and thank the earth for our homes, our bodies, all the sensuous delights that make us um, life worthwhile and so delicious and beautiful. Thank you for stability and all the things that give us a strong foundation and keep us grounded. Acknowledge and thank the air for our oxygen that we breathe, ideas, inspiration, detachment, intelligence, and words that help us communicate and connect. Thank you, air, for carrying our prayers to the spirit realm and the words of our ancestors and angels back to us. Acknowledge and thank fire for power, life, purification, warmth, and reminding us of the need to be responsible with our choices. I thank you for the desire that fuels everything we do. Acknowledge and thank water for helping us to go with the flow, to feel our emotions, go into deep unknown places, and for purification and sustaining our lives. Acknowledge and thank the ancestors from the human, plant, animal, and mineral realms for all that you do that is seen and unseen. Even when times are challenging, uh, maybe especially when they're hard, we give thanks for the ways that we're supported that we may not see until much later. And I give thanks to all our listeners for your support and dedication, we're 100% listener-supported, so each time you review our podcast, it helps our rating so that we can be seen by more people. If you'd like to do that, you can go to iTunes, and that will help to support our mission. And our YouTube channel is close to being monetized, so every time you watch a video, you help us to become more self-supporting, too. So check out the YouTube, and every comment, like, and share matters, so thank you in advance for that support that you've already given. It really makes a difference. And welcome, Rich. Thanks for being here.
1: Great. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Sure. So uh, before we get into centering prayer, I think it's important that our listeners know a little bit about you. And one of the interesting things that I noticed in your book is that it's written from a Christian perspective. And yet you use both male and female pronouns. Can you talk about that thought process?
1: Sure, sure. Um, and I know that throws some people off, but when I, when I think of God, I mean, God is beyond gender. So I, I think of God as having you know, male, maybe what we consider male qualities, as, as well as you know, strong and powerful. And that doesn't mean a woman is, can't be strong and powerful. But then I also think of, you know, of woman qualities where perhaps women are more nurturing and more compassionate than men at times and loving. Now, it doesn't mean men and women don't share all these characteristics. But when I think of um, males and females, so as I wrote the book, I purposely, you know, used he or she pronouns um, when I referred to God, not because I'm saying God is, you know, a male or God is a female because God really transcends both. But, you know, God really has characteristics of, of both what you might consider male and female characteristics. So I felt free to use that, you know, in the book and I think some people, it, it threw some, a few people off. Um, but, um, because, but for the most part, I think most people were, were okay with it. But that, that was really my thought process, is God is really beyond a pronoun. Um, so <laughs> I didn't want to use he all the time, because God's not he. God is not she. God is kind of both, um, and God transcends it. Mm-hmm.
0: Another thing that stood out for me um, is in the foreword of your book, uh, sitting with God. Uh, it was written by Amos Smith, who mentions that you and he worked together on recovering Christianity's mystical roots. Can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. So um, that's Amos's site, and and it, so I met him. You know, I was perusing Amazon looking for a book to read in late 2013, and discovered Healing the Divide: Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots, which was a book by Amos Smith, and you know, in the book. It, it talked about two things that intrigued me, um, centering prayer, which was interesting to me because I didn't know what to do in the silence. So it kind of revealed to me a practice that I can do in the silence. And in his book, he talked about what he called the Jesus paradox, Jesus being God and human at once. So um, his, his website it talks a lot about silent prayer, and his website talks a lot about uh, Jesus being God and, and human at once. And he Talks a lot about using the mystics to um, practice silence, like like the mystics did, in, in the past, the desert mothers and fathers did. So that's that's a lot of what he shares on his website as well.
0: So, for those who haven't heard of centering prayer, um, what is that?
1: Sure. So, centering prayer is is med- It's actually considered two things. It's considered meditation end a relationship with god so it's a practice that opens us up to a relationship with god and it's it is silent wordless prayer and just a little bit of a history it, it was created in the early 1970s by three trappist monks so three catholic priests as a reaction to they saw transcendental meditation going on and they wanted something for the christian community so they created centering prayer rolled it out to priests and clergy, and then really just rolled it out to the public and anyone that was interested in it. And then the practice itself, I'll I'll quickly share how it works. You, You sit comfortably with your eyes closed, And then you use what's called a sacred word of one, two, three syllables. So that might be love, ocean. It could be a color. It could be God. It could be the word Jesus. It's whatever word you might want to choose. So you sit comfortably, close your eyes, introduce this word interiorly, really signifying your intention to begin your prayer time and open to the presence and actions of God within and then anytime you engage your thoughts, meaning you begin thinking about what you did before the sit, or you begin thinking about what you're doing after the sit, you reintroduce, that means you're engaging your thoughts, you, you reintroduce this sacred word interiorly, let go of all the thoughts you're engaging, bring yourself back to the present moment, and then let go of the sacred word too. And you do that when needed during the duration of your sit for for however long you've chosen to sit And the one thing I'll say, it's not used as a mantra, and there are mantra practices, but in centering prayer, it's just used when needed. It's not used as a mantra. And then the last thing I'll say about the sacred word is you don't have to use a word. Some people are auditory people, and I started using a word, but I realized I was more of a visual person, so I use an interior image. Some people are more physical people, and they use their breath. And some people want to center with their eyes open, um, because they're more comfortable that way, or they, or they're worried they'll fall asleep. So you can stare at a spot four to five, six feet, kind of, kind of in the distance on on the floor, and use that as your sacred method. So that's a little bit about what is centering prayer, how long it's been around, and and how you do it.
0: So this is a thing that gets you to a place of silence. Is that what you're saying?
1: The sacred word, yes. or or. Yes, so, so the sacred word really stills your, your inner chatter, if you think about it, because as you engage your thoughts, you realize that I'm, I'm supposed to be letting go of my thoughts and opening to the presence and actions of God within. So your sacred word is used to let go of your thoughts and come back to the present moment, and then you let go of the sacred word as well. So yes, it, it, it is to help you clear the clutter, I guess you could say, in your mind.
0: OK, so um, I think for a lot of people, the idea of silence is like, ooh, I don't I don't want to do that <laughs> because uh, it may it's I don't know. I, I just notice a lot of people fill it with something, even if it's just white noise, sleeping with the TV on or, you know, just busy, busy, busy all the time. Um, so why do you think that that's why do we run from it?
1: Um, I think. Sometimes silence scares people because it forces us to come come to reality of our own thoughts. So for some people silence can be very scary because as you're sitting there repressed emotions can come up or things that things you don't know you've repressed as well as things you know you've repressed can come up. So some people want to continue to keep busy so that they don't have to deal deal with these thoughts. And then even some people, I think their personality is they feel like I need to be doing, 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 doing. And what am I really accomplishing by sitting in silence? And and I'll challenge people. They really have to try for themselves. You're, you're just being and, and sitting and meditating and, and resting and refreshing yourself actually helps you during the times you need to take action. But you have to try it to experience that for yourself. For for example, I do two two sits per day. I do one as I begin my day, and it's the first thing I do to start my day. And then my second sit is right before lunch. And what I've found and I do it I do it even even if I'm extremely busy at work, I stop what I'm doing, do my sit, and then maybe have a small lunch but what i found is when i look back at the end of the day i re- i realized how productive i was and and how much that sit helped me let go of the things that were maybe distracting me or that i didn't know how to do or that i didn't even need to do and hone in and focus on the things that i need to do so the second sit really helped me be more productive and had a way of giving has a way of giving me back time um. So that's what I like to tell people is it, it has a way of giving you back time and just try it and see, experience that for yourself.
0: And do you have a uh, example that you can share about the scary stuff that comes up? Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it could it could really be a, a, anything. It could be from your past if you've had a traumatic traumatic you know past where, you, where you've maybe had. A, a, Verbal abuse or physical abuse by, by your parents, unfortunately, that type of stuff you might be repressing. Or, or it could just be a, a memory of, of someone that was important to you that passed away that, and keeps coming up. Or it could just be any type of you know, incident in your life that happened, whether it was a car accident or, or some terrible incident that happened to you. These types of things can, can come up. While you're sitting in silence, and and then I guess it's it's actually it it is a safe place for it to come up because if you think about it, your body holds a lot of tension, and we all can think we can all realize where we hold our tension. I I can like I know I hold my tension in my forehead, and I hold it in my shoulders. So sitting in meditation, sitting in silent prayer is a safe place just to let your body relax. And also we hold a lot of repressed thoughts and emotions within our minds, some we know and some we don't know. So when you're sitting in the silence of meditation, I guess the the emotions and baggage of a lifetime can start coming up and coming out. So it's a nice, safe place for, tige- for for this, all of these repressed thoughts and emotions to be released from you. So there's a lot of healing that can actually take place when you're sitting in meditation, you know, to your body as well as to your mind.
0: So I'm a trauma therapist, and I, I'm totally getting what you're saying. But I think for some, I'm, I'm kind of listening as a listener, too. Sure. And I think if I if I were a listener and I'm hearing that, I'd be like, ooh, I don't want to do that when on I'm at lunch at work. I'm going to be a mess. I can't go back to work. So. How do you, how do you get it all together if that stuff comes out and you're in the middle of work?
1: Um, I mean, I mean that's a good point. You, you probably after like say if you might want to after your sit you might want to get up and, and move around. I, I I find that movement is very helpful just to make you feel better. So if, if that happens and you find you're getting up from your your sit and, and you're pretty shaken up or pretty uh, upset. You might want to get up and, and move and, and take a walk, or, or you might want to read from a favorite book, or you might want to listen to some music, some of your favorite music, just to kind of shift your mood when something like this happens. So I would encourage movement or, or listening to music you enjoy or reading from a favorite book to kind of shift your, your emotions now that you've been a little bit rattled, perhaps.
0: Okay. So in the middle of it, as it's happening, are you still uh, are you are you being with the emotion? Are you um, still trying to be in that space of silence or what's happening then as you're triggered?
1: Sure. You can, and actually, Thomas Keating, who one of the the main centering prayer, he created and refined centering prayer. So, if, if strong emotions come up, he actually then said, "You you can shift from using your sacred word, just just being with the pain and, and, and accepting the pain during centering prayer." So, if you find that it's maybe a little bit more overwhelming than you'd like it to be, you can shift from using your sacred word to using. Uh, kind of just sitting with, with the pain and recognizing the pain during your sit.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, would you mind sharing your story about your centering prayer after your father died?
1: Sure, sure. So I, re- I remember when I he, he was in the VA home, and I remember that day he passed away. It was the day after Thanksgiving. And, of course, I was I, – I, I was upset, but we knew we knew he was going to pass. He had been ill, he had Alzheimer's, and he was kind of falling in and out of, of consciousness. So we, so it wasn't a surprise that he was passing. But, of course, when you lose your one of your parents, it's, it's, it's no fun. But, yeah, I remember when I, I went home, and then at that time my second sit was usually close to before I went to bed. So I just remember crying and then letting go of the, the – the anguish and and the grief and then coming back to the present moment. And and I just remember crying and then switching back to my sacred word and crying. And I don't really recall how long I did it, but then I think uh, I guess I had had gotten as much of the grief out of me that was going to happen that night. And then I remember just sitting in the silence of of centering prayer and, and feeling at peace and feeling loved by God during it. So I just remember it was a, a constant grief crying silence grief silence and then kind of no more grief at least for that night and i was mm-hmm. able to you know continue the silent sit so i just remember being a very powerful sit um where i was you know full of grief i had just lost my father
0: mm-hmm. so it's a um spiritual practice it's in a, in a- an emotional release it's a kind of just a way of
1: being centering prayer yeah Mm -hmm. uh yes yes so it's it's really if, if you think about it it's it's you know it's it's meditation it's a relationship with god but then during centering prayer um it can be very healing and transforming because you can release repressed emotions you can relax your body so as you continue to practice centering prayer you know you can continue to release repressed emotions you can continue to re- to relax your body um, so it really can be healing and transforming and then what ends up happening over time is you know that the gesture or the posture of letting go during centering prayer you, you take it with you in your you know everyday life so you learn to let go of Anxiety and wary, or, or let go of things that maybe you don't need to focus focus at the time, so you can hone in and focus on the important things right in front of you. You know, you learn to be a more, you know, maybe less reactive and more present to the moment, or more present with with people. So there's a, a, I guess, a lot of, or I've experienced a lot of fruits of the practices. I think about, you writ know, myself before centering prayer, and I think about myself after centering prayer. You know, I, I'm definitely a more confident person. I feel I'm, more, I'm less reactive and more willing to listen to people. I'm more able to let go of things that I don't need to focus on and hone in and focus on the things that I need to, to focus on. And I feel that I'm also more willing to get out of my comfort zone and, and try and do new things. So for me, I've experienced a, a lot of you know, neat fruits as a result of the practice.
0: Yeah, speaking of getting out of your comfort zone, um, you said something that I think is really important in your book. And you said that you're not a biblical scholar, speaker, or teacher. And yet you are speaking about a topic that you wrote a book on. And um, most of the guests that we have on our podcast are people just like that because I believe we all have passion inside of us. And you don't have to be an expert or make this thing your life's work or make it all about money and publicity. Um, because we all know what we believe in and what we're passionate about. So how did you get the courage to step out of that comfort zone and do that?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a very good question, because I I just think, you know, as I look at myself pre and after Centering Prayer, I I would have been scared to to do a podcast like this, and I would have been scared to do Zoom calls and speak in, in front of groups. So I think the Centering Prayer, you know, helped cult- it helped me observe my thoughts because when you when you practice any type of contemplative practice centering prayer meditation or whatever it may be you learn to take a step back and observe, observe your thoughts and, and realize we feed ourselves thoughts of things that aren't true. We tell ourselves, I don't have the right skill set when that's not true. Or we tell ourselves, I'm too young to try that. Someone older with more wisdom should be doing this, and that's not true. Or we could tell ourselves, I'm too old. Someone younger should be doing that, and and that's not true. So I think Centering Prayer has helped me really observe my thoughts and and realize I I often tell myself things that that aren't true, and and they're Mm -hmm. fear-based, and they're just not true, and they're not helping me. So I don't have to believe them, and I and I can believe I'm the right person, and I just need to take the next step, and the path will become clearer as I continue to take the steps forward.
0: And that's uh, real interesting too, because I think a lot of people um, kind of direct their lives and do manifesting through law of attraction, and it sounds like centering prayer is kind of the opposite of that. Maybe if I'm understanding it correctly, so instead of directing your thoughts in your life it's kind of like moment to moment and giving up that power to God. Is that, do I have it right?
1: Yeah, you, you could you could say that, and it's but it, and it's interesting that you say that because I'm actually a, a firm believer in affirmations, so uh, I do actually write down single sentence affirmations in my iPad. These are things that are important to me that I want to do, you know, whether it's for my website or whether it's with my family or for my mental or physical health, um, or and you know goals that I might have. And I actually read them to God, and then let them go to God, and do my centering prayer sit. So I I like to think of it as I'm partnering with God on these things and and together we're deciding whether I should continue to move forward on them. So I I guess in a way I'm manifesting them, you know, with, with God and with my centering prayer practice.
0: Okay. So more like collaborative.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I know like in uh, spirituality, I don't know how true this is in, in Christianity, but in, in the, I don't even know what to call it, the, Alternative, let's say, um, spirituality. There's a bunch of things that people are attracted to because they give us a high and um, they're momentary. <laughs> and then you got to chase the next one. Um, and I, my sense of centering prayer is that it can't do that, but usually it's more of just a maybe little advances or more calmness than, than a high. So if you don't have that high, then how do you know that something is actually changing or that it's producing any good for you?
1: So I guess with centering prayer, I think of it as, you know, a long-term marathon with God. And, and that I'm really just trusting the process. I'm just sitting with God and then I'm getting up and walking with God. And I'm trusting that the centering prayer sits. I think of centering prayer as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what I need even as I get up from my sit so that that could be inner peace or calm or it could be confidence or it could be wisdom for a task or it could be nudges to to move forward and, and try something new so I, I think of it as a long term you know marathon where the silence teaches me who I am and it te- and it teaches me the next steps and and I guess I've done a lot as I think about centering prayer you know, I began practicing it in June. Kind of strictly, where I'll say where I took it seriously, where I wanted to practice it twice a day for 20 minutes. I started doing that in June of 2014, and, and as a result of that, you know, a lot has changed in my life. Where where I have you know, my own website, SilenceTeaches.com, and, and I have a weekly meditation that goes out. And I have a book that was published last August and I do one-on-one coaching and I, and I do speaking in front of church groups and spiritual director groups and other groups that you know invite me to, to come talk. Right now it's been via Zoom. So I guess a lot has happened um, as a result of my Centering Prayer practice because I've really just trusted what, trusted what should I be doing as I do my sits and then get up and move forward. I just trust what will happen and what should I be doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, nature doesn't move, you know, in big spurts. And, and I think most things that are good for us and worthwhile take time to develop. But I noticed you just said 20 minutes sit. And I think for some people who are listening, they might like, oh, 20 minutes. But in your, you do say that you started out as with just one minute. And um, I know from my experience, one minute of meditation can be really powerful. So why do you go from one minute to 20 What's, what's the benefit of doing more?
1: Sure, sure. And and some of that, I guess, is the the, the teachers of Centering, or the creators of Centering Prayer had re- recommended working your way up to, to two 20-minute sits per day. In some instances, it can take people that long to still their mind. So, sure. And in mm-hmm. some cases, you can still your mind quicker. I mean, so I, I guess I don't – for me, 20 minutes works, but – I tell people to practice. You know, do what makes the most sense for you. So, if for for you a seven minute sit or a five minute sit works well, then then do that as well. So I, I don't think. So I don't think it's a hard rule where you you must practice two sits of tw- of twenty minutes per day. And I don't always do that. Sometimes I do twenty minutes my first sit, and then sometimes my second sit is seven minutes, or it's ten minutes, or it's fifteen minutes. So I just, I agree with you really. Any time of silence can can be powerful. And I even encourage, I'll call a mini sit. So if, you, if you're if you nervous and you have to do a speech or you have to go to the doctor or you have to do something that's making you anxious, even a one minute sit, it may be exactly what you need.
0: Okay, so it's not like more is more necessarily. You're just really going for the the stillness and the calm that comes from it. And it takes as long as it takes to get there. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Yes. So, for some people, it may take quite a bit of time for for inner stillness to occur, um, and for others, it c- it could be a, a lot quicker.
0: Okay.
1: And I would also say it's it's not even. I mean, one. I think any amount of silence is powerful and can help you and and, and can heal you. So, um, twenty minutes or even one minute of silence both provide you know benefit to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, I think some people think that spiritual people are supposed to be calm and cool, never bothered by anything. (laughs) But um, (laughs) You admit in your book to being a warrior who's sometimes oppressed or scared, despite having this centered prayer practice and um, having thoughts about that.
1: Yes. I mean, it just seems I, whatever it is, I'm just by nature, I'm more, I'm more of an anxious person. And particularly on Monday morning, I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, it's the beginning of the work week. And I think about all the things I need to do at work. And I wake up kind of anxious and maybe sometimes I even wake up earlier than I should just because I'm thinking about it. So for me, I, I need my centering prayer sits. They. Calm me down. They slow me down, and they help me begin my Monday. So I don't know what it is about it, but it's just that's just kind of seems to be my nature. Sometimes I'm just I'm an anxious person, and I need centering prayer just to <laughs> calm myself down and slow myself down. Now, even though I've been practicing it you know, since 2014, I still wake up Monday morning feeling that way until I can slow myself down and say you'll you'll be okay, everything's fine, and, and do your sit.
0: Yeah, I think people need to know that it's not like I I don't know that I've never seen the Dalai Lama, but I don't know that the goal is to be the Dalai Lama. I mean he's the Lama, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) we're just kind of normal people here. (laughs) So actually that segues into another thing that you said in your book, which was I want to embrace my humanity. And that's such an animist sentiment too. I think a lot of spiritual paths focus on escaping humanity and things like anxiety and worry, which to me is just part of it. Um, or maybe they just focus on the afterlife. Uh, but this time is important, too. And I think the human experience of being alive is important. So what does that mean to you to embrace your humanity?
1: It needs to, you know, live kind of experience and the full range of, of humanity and, and the full range of emotions and some of them are painful, but they're 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 part of life. It just means to you know, I, I guess I feel that during centering prayer I, I sit and connect to my spiritual being, my true self, but then I get up from my sits and the human rich takes the human actions. So I, I think you know the two work together, the spiritual rich and the human rich work together during the centering prayer, then I, and I get up and, and take human actions and I want to, you know, be a, a full human being and try and do new things and experience new things and not be afraid of my emotions. And, and if I'm upset or if I'm sad or if I'm depressed, realize that that's okay. And that's, that's part of being a human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So can you lead us through a contemplative prayer experience?
1: Sure. Um so did you want to do a one-minute sit with your with your community? Is, was that what we were, you wanted to do?
0: It's up to you.
1: Sure, sure. So I, I guess I'll remind people you know, how Centering Prayer works. You'll, you'll sit comfortably with your eyes closed. And then interiorly, to, be, to begin the practice, use a, a sacred word. So pick a one, two, three-syllable word. Interiorly, bring that to your mind to begin your practice. And then whenever you engage your thought thoughts, whenever you begin thinking about things other than sitting there, reintroduce that word to, to let go of your thoughts and come back to the present moment. And that's really what we'll do. So I, I guess we'll do a, we can do a one, one minute sit together. Is that what you, is that what you'd like to do with everybody? Okay. Okay. So let me just set the, I have a bell here. I'll just set it for one minute and I'll put it next to my earphone here. So I think everybody can hear it. Okay and so you're going to hear kind of an opening bell and then one minute of silence, and then you'll hear a closing bell that signifies that the one minute sit is is over, and then we'll I'll start talking after the last bell is 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 done okay so here we go.
0: That was lovely. <laughs> Thanks so much. Here you have
1: it. Sure. Sure. And it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, you have kind of s- something soft. It doesn't have to, it could something, something to begin it and not jar it, jar you into it. And then something nicely just to end it. And then you kind of gently get up. You don't have to race to get up and begin your day. You just kind of slowly sit there for a minute or two if you need to. And sometimes I just read from a favorite book that I'm reading afterwards. And then I, begin my day or, or or resume my day if it's my second sit but no thanks for letting me uh share a sit on your uh, show
0: oh good so um where i'm sitting i can hear the traffic how important is the silence so i have the inner silence but that there's outer silence how important is that
1: i, mean, I would say as much as possible try to go to a place to practice where you're where there's little distractions and and, and little as much noise as possible, you know, as you can. So I would encourage you to, to do that and if And if that's not possible, then it may not be a bad idea to have some like white noise in the background, whether it's mm-hmm. it's a fan running or even uh, some type of soft music in the background so if If you're in that type of atmosphere where it's tremendously noisy cars mm-hmm. beeping trains or something and you can't avoid it, then maybe put some soft music to to block it out and and practice your centering prayer to, to soft uh, white noise mm-hmm. okay.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Our guest again is Rich Lewis. Rich, can you share your website and contact information so that those who want more information can contact you?
1: Sure. No, the best place to find me is silenceteaches.com. And if you want to learn more about Centering Prayer, I have a free ebook on my site. Um, If it's something you just want to explore and see if if it's even of interest to you, you can subscribe and then get my free ebook on centering prayer. And then at that point, if after that, if you want to further explore, there's more information about my book on my website, but silence teaches is the best place to find me.
0: Awesome. That's our podcast for this week. Please uh, check out Rich Lewis's book and website. Feel free to reach out with your comments, questions, and suggestions. And if you want support, From Pan Society, you can send, um, you can see us at pansociety.net, YouTube, Facebook, we're everywhere. So thanks, Rich. See you all next week, and thanks for tuning in.
1: Great. Thank you. Sure.